Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big-time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five! It's a late February, early March edition of Fizz 5, and it is a great time of year if you are a Syracuse basketball hater. With a pumped up Liam Griffin, I am Ethan Frank. Welcome into Fizz 5. On We're recording this Tuesday, February 28th before Syracuse takes on Georgia Tech tonight. But Liam, before we get into everything, before we talk about the pit game from Saturday, before we preview Georgia Tech tonight, there's going to be a men's basketball very heavy episode because what else is there to talk about? How are you doing? Not great, Ethan. I, the past three games have been a roller coaster for the Warriors. You come in with your hopes high, oh, this is the chance to get that signature win. Maybe yes, you can finally get that monkey off its back, and every single time they just get embarrassed. It, it's it's disgraceful. Disgraceful is a good word to to describe it because in my notes, and we'll get to topic number one. The word is disgrace. Let's go. Number one. The disgrace at Pitt on Saturday was one of the worst second halves I've ever seen. Maybe the one of the worst twenty minutes of basketball. I've ever seen a, a team play 62 points. The Panthers scored in the final 20 minutes of the game. And for Syracuse, it's the third straight loss by 15 points or more. It's a streak that hasn't happened in decades. And this is just it, 60 years. It's a new rock bottom right now. Can things get worse? Literally, yes. But I think figuratively and per- perceptually, it'd be hard to get worse than it is right now. I mean, Ethan, if you think about the narratives behind this game after what Jim Beheim said in that press conference a few weeks ago, essentially calling out Jeff Capel's program, saying they bought this team, yada, yada, yada. First of all, that's how things work nowadays with NIL and whatnot. But what good could that quote have done coming into Saturday? You riled up the Oakland Zoo, one of the top-notch student sections in the country, let alone the ACC. And it just created for a raucous environment. I mean, Jim Beheim was getting booed left and right. Judah Mintz, a former pick commit, was getting the brunt of it as well. Just that element alone was tough. But then when you factor in the fact that the Panthers shot threes like it was a pregame shoot around, what, what more do you need to say? It, it, it was terrible. It was Blake terrible. Hinson took 17 threes. 17. 17 threes. And made made six of them, so it was over thirty three percent. So when you think about this game, and I know you're talking, you know, from a outside aspect in terms of coaching, in terms of fans, but when you look at what actually happened, Syracuse changes the starting lineup again. Jim Beheim rarely ever changes the starting lineup. He's now done it twice in the span of a month, which is pretty unheard of if you look at the history of this program. Yeah. Benny Williams gets the start, plays well, I'll yeah. say. He probably played, the best game he's played in an SU uniform. Probably. Justin Taylor gets the start. Chris Bell doesn't play a second. And it was a game Jim Mayhem said Syracuse was going to need offense, and Benny's improved his shooting. So, you know, that's fine. I, I think I've said before that Benny and Justin is the best is a better combo than Benny and, and Chris. I agree. 
and Chris fits better with Malik. So so when you look at it that way, I, I do like what Jim Beheim did changing the starting lineup. But defensively, it doesn't matter when you're just a turnstile and you're just letting everything go through right to the basket or right to a three pitch out. I think 11 of 20 from three in the second half, that 55, 55%. So it, it all comes down to the defense and it's an outdated defense. Would it work with better personnel? I don't know if it would work, but it would definitely be more effective. You look sorry. So this is 2023 Syracuse ended the 2018 season fifth on Ken Palm in defensive efficiency. That's only five years ago. So it, it's not like things have changed so drastically in those five years that zone defense can't work anymore. If you have personnel, then it can work. Guess what doesn't work playing zone defense with a bunch of freshmen and Joe Girard at the top of it. That is not what's going to work. So could should they play another defense? I don't know. I haven't watched them practice any other defense or play any other defense. But this is clearly not working, and some adjustments just need to be made. You can't just say this is our defense and then give up 90 points two straight I mean, games. That line from Beheim comparing it to Pablo Picasso and it being like all oh, of this perfect painting. I prefer Michael, I prefer Michelangelo, but he went with Picasso. I was going to go with Jackson Pollock, but that's a debate for another time. It was one of the most wild lines I have ever heard because in what world is any college basketball defense going to play like Picasso? It's college basketball. There are going to be slip-ups. It's going to happen from time to time. That's okay. You move on. But when things fail repeatedly, time after time, like it did in that game, you can't you can't just sit back and let your team die. You have to show some other form of defense. I don't know if that's man. I don't know if that's going to a 1-3-1. Heck, I don't know if that's going to a 3-2 or a 1-2-2. I'm just throwing out everything at this point, but if the 2-3 zone is getting picked apart like it was, you have to show something else. I I don't know what it is because it didn't work against Clemson. It didn't work against Duke. And you look back at Syracuse's three-game winning streak before that, kind of makes you surprised that the Orange were able to win those three games. Well, because they played Boston College, Florida State, and an NC State team that didn't want to win that game. <laughs> LG firing shots at NC State from a couple of weeks ago. Absolutely. But Syracuse has Georgia Tech on deck, Wake Forest on Saturday, and then the ACC tournament. So what's your final takeaway from this pit loss, Liam, before, before we move on to topic number two? Oh, how the mighty have fallen. All right, and that's where we'll end it. Let's move on to numero dos. Number two. So continuing on this theme of losing, let's look at this losing streak as a whole. It's now at three games. It was coming off a three-game win streak. You have all this hype building for the Duke game, and you go out and you lose by 22. And then the win is taken out of the sails. You go down to Clemson. And this is a Clemson team that is, after starting incredibly hot, we're ranked in the top 20 hit a bit of a rough patch January, late January, early February, and now I've seemed to found something because crush Syracuse and then go to Raleigh and beat Ooh. NC State by 25-plus. And then you go to Pitt, and now Pitt is in solo first place in the ECC and vying for, for a regular season championship in the conference. So when you look at the losing streak as a whole, Liam, I, I think defense is the thing that stands out the most. But from a big-picture standpoint, what is the big thing about this losing streak that speaks to you? Well, defense is obviously a big thing. I mean, we touched on it when we were talking about the pit loss. But talent as well, recruiting. You know, Duke hasn't met expectations this year. And 
that's a product of a young team similar to Syracuse, but they have a much better recruiting class. Their recruits have a much higher ceiling. They're far more athletic and far more talented, and it showed on the basketball court a week and a half ago. Now you go to Clemson, P.J. Hall might be the best big in the ACC. In the first half in particular, he made Jesse Edwards, who many are calling SU's X-Factor, I should say have been calling SU's X-Factor, P.J. Hall made him look silly, like he didn't belong on the floor. And then Pittsburgh, that's that's a team full of transfers, and college basketball is shifting to a transfer portal game as opposed to a recruiting game. Pitt dominated SU. So, Ethan, as much as you want to blame the defense, and you'd be justified in doing so, you can't discredit the gap in talent. That's a really good point. You look at at Syracuse versus – let's start with Duke. You look at the recruiting Syracuse and Duke. Duke has had each of the last four years a top six at minimum class, including the number one overall class this year. Syracuse's best class in the last four years was 22nd, which was this year because uh, the Orange decided to bring in six freshmen. And Jim Mayhem talked about it. Uh, he he said after the game, we decided to bring in freshmen. We made commitments to these guys that they could play, so we didn't hit the portal. And I, and I, I understand that. I understand you're trying to build for the future. Well, then maybe don't say before the season that this team is the best you've had in years. Maybe lower, keep the expectations low. He set he set the bar at the NCAA tournament before the season. Right, and it's, it's like just going to make spectacularly. Right, right. it's just going to make people upset. If you know this is a young team and you know there's a lot of growing to do, then then temper the expectations. Don't 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 raise them to the roof to where the point that as soon as you lose one game in the non-conference, people are upset, and, and that's where the major problem lies. Is that Syracuse made commitments to these guys to play, and that is fine. But as soon as you see having them having struggles, you have to be real with the people who are supporting you. You can't just throw nonsense at them because the fans won't take it. They've lived this for so long that they are accustomed to what Jim Beheim says, and that if he says something and the results are completely different, they're going to call him out for it. So maybe next time Syracuse should, first of all, not bring in a six-man freshman class and try to bring in some veteran pieces. But also, you know, the year before Syracuse brings in transfers, but the problem with the transfers they brought in is they're all seniors. Beheim and Swider were your two main transfers you brought in who scored double-digit points and and, and both were gone after one season. So – if you're going to bring people in, you want them in the system for multiple years. And I get that with freshmen, but as Jim Baham said after Pitt, we have 17 and 18-year-olds going against 22 and 23-year-olds. And that's reality, but that's the choice you made. I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to hear that excuse because you made this decision and you hyped up this recruiting class as the best recruiting class to ever set foot on this campus. As far as I'm concerned, only one player is living up to that billing, Judamans. You look at Chris Bell. Justin Taylor, Malik Brown, Quadio Copeland, Peter Carey. One of them is out for a season. One, up until very recently, rarely saw the floor. Then the other three, yeah, have played solid at times, but haven't really shown the flashes of brilliance that Jim Beheim told us to expect before the season started. I'm at a loss for words, Ethan. I, I don't know what more there is to be said about how frustrating this Syracuse basketball season has been, especially over the past three games. And after that NC State game, it, it was almost wishful thinking that this team could go on a run, but the signs have been there since 
This team lost to Colgate and Bryant on its home floor and got steamrolled by an Illinois team that, frankly, is now mid. So so how do you resolve these issues? What it, Who would you say are the, the – so you have the six-man freshman class. Right. I, I think it's safe to assume Peter Carey will be back in terms of just using this as a redshirt year, getting healthy, putting on muscle whatever. So take him out. I think you take Judah out because if Judah wants to come back, you'll, you'll gladly have Judah back of the four other guys. Who would you say you would most want to come back next season and, and really see their development because not all of them are going to get minutes and that's the reality. Right. So the four of them, and you could throw Benny in there too, as the fifth. Ooh, putting me on the spot. I'm going with Malik Brown because I think he's shown the most consistent, solid play. Out of those five, sure there but have been times. I, where... I, okay, I sorry. What what is Malik Brown adding to his game? So you, th- in terms of like who who of these people that you think could come back could develop into like an actual you know very good maybe an all ACC type of player like oh, oh. Malik Brown. Malik Brown is what your your fourth, fifth, sixth oh. best player. He's a perfect unless, role player. Malik Brown will not develop into that player unless he goes outside. So now that that changes the question, Chris Bell. I think it's Chris Bell. If he can learn how to attack the basket a little more and for the love of God, crash the glass a little bit, then we can have that conversation about because he was the second highest touted out of this recruiting class behind Judah. The potential is there. He just hasn't shown it yet. But that's just in the eyes of evaluators. I I mean, you have to take those rankings with a grain of salt because I would say Carter Copeland would be my, who I think has the most potential of any of these guys besides Judah. When you look at his combination of size, length, and ball handling, if he develops a shot and he becomes a, a, a little bit of a stronger presence with the ball in his hands, then he has a lot of potential. I think he could develop into a point guard. I, I see I see no – I know he's been playing at the forward, but you look at a guy like Michael Benege, who started his Syracuse career playing at the forward position and eventually transitioned to being a pseudo point guard. I think Quadir Copeland can follow that model. And and from what we've seen of him, it seems like he likes his teammates. He likes being at Syracuse. I would put all my stock into Quadir Copeland because I think he has the most attributes to become a successful player. I'm also a big Quadir Copeland fan. I think he, not as much as Peter Carey, also needs to get some muscle. And like you said, develop that jump shot. If if that all happens, and I even wrote an article about it a month and a half ago now, he can develop into that player you just pictured for us. That said, don't don't give up on Chris Bell. All right. You can find that article at theorangefizz.com. It's Ethan Frank and Liam Griffin here on Fizz Vive. Let's move on to topic number three. Number three. Tonight's game, Tuesday night's game, Georgia Tech, Syracuse took down the Yellow Jackets 80-63 to in Atlanta in January. Liam, what are you watching for tonight? Can the defense stop a lick? That, I know that's an easy answer, but it's the right answer because Georgia Tech, nowhere near the caliber of Duke, Clemson, and Pittsburgh, the three teams that you have been spiraling against over this losing skid. And when you look at Georgia Tech's ACC wins this season, none of them are that enthusing, with the exception of a win over Miami back on January 4th. Six-point win at home, kind of surprising. You beat Notre Dame and Louisville at home, also two of the worst teams. 
And then you squeaked out a win over Virginia Tech, something Syracuse also did, but SU also got smacked by them on the road. So Georgia Tech has the potential to pull off an upset, but the Yellow Jackets are not intimidating. They're one of the bottom feeders in the ACC. Heck, they have a 4-14 and conference record. So this is a game Syracuse should win, bar none. They've been playing better recently. You you look at Georgia Tech in the month of, of February and, you know, brush off the loss to Louisville. That was February 1st. That was a while ago. Lose by only eight at NC State. Beat Notre Dame. Lose by just one at Wake Forest. Beat Virginia Tech. Lose by only eight against Pitt and then come back and crush Louisville after losing to them. So I would say that this is a team that is not the same unit that Syracuse saw in January. And there's an article up on theorangefizz.com about it titled, This is not the January version of Georgia Tech. You can go check that out. But when you look at Syracuse tonight, this is an orange team that needs a win. Shout out to to the wonderful John Eads for writing that article. But Georgia Tech is not going to be a pushover. The the Hokies have given the orange or the Hokies, the Yellow Jackets have given the orange a game in the dome over the past few seasons. This is a team that won the ACC tournament just two years ago, and I know it's a much different squad. But when you look at, at this game. It's hard to say it's setting up for a trap game because you're looking ahead to the weekend if you're Syracuse, but you cannot take Georgia Tech lightly and just brush this aside. I don't think you can take any opponent lightly at this point in the season, Ethan. And like you so eloquently put it in an article last week, this is the season of experimentation. And Georgia Tech is an opponent that you have the ability to do that against because it's not a top tier team. But at the same time, you can't flop around and expect to win like it's a Sunday picnic for the church, because if SU comes out lackadaisical, the Yellow Jackets will expose it, period. They will. They definitely will. You got a prediction for tonight's game, Liam? I think Syracuse wins 67 to 62. I think it's kind of similar to last game where Georgia Tech builds a sizable lead early and the Dome crowd is in panic mode, but SU Storm comes back eventually. Doesn't require overtime this time, but in the end, the Orange get it done. I also think the Orange get it done. I do think Georgia Tech will cover those. Spread up to nine last I saw. So really? that, that is a pretty hefty spread. Um, and Syracuse hasn't proven that it can beat anyone by double digits at the current moment. So uh, I'll take the Hokies to cover. Expect a high-scoring game since Syracuse uh, refused to play defense. But maybe this is the game the defense turns it around. We'll see. All right, let's move on to a much happier topic, topic number four. Number four. Fourth item on our agenda today is just talking about the Jersey retirement, everything going on with the ceremony this weekend, Liam. Friday night, a rewatch of the 2003 game with special guests, uh, such as, if, I don't know if you heard of him, Carmelo Anthony, Jerry McNamara, Hakeem Work. Names, names ring a bell. Other members of the 2003 team that's happening on SU's campus, team being honored at the game on Saturday, 20th anniversary, and then Hakeem Work and Jerry McNamara's numbers being retired at, I believe, halftime. So that will be very, very special, joining the likes up in the rafters. I mean, I, if I was looking at them, I could name them all, but I can't off the top of my head. You know, Derek Coleman, Sherman Douglas, Mello, Pearl Washington, John Wallace, Dave Bing, Louis Orr, Roosevelt Bowie, whoever you want to say, joining a very illustrious crew in the rafters of the Dome. And it will be a very, very special, special game. I think special is the perfect word to describe it, Ethan. It really can almost provide a distraction to 
how bad this team has been. But now, 20 years ago, I mean, I wasn't in Central New York, and I wasn't even a year old when that national championship run happened. But looking back at those clips, hearing people talking about it, you can sense just how special it was to the city, to the Central New York area, to that team. And the fact that 20 years later, they're all going to be together again, it's awesome. And I mean, when was the last time, do you think, Carmelo Anthony, Jerry McNamara, and Hakeem Warwick were all in the Dome together? It's probably been a while. Yeah, it has definitely been a, a long time. And the crowd is going to be massive. People care. This title meant yeah. so much to the city, to the community, to the university, that I think support will be vast. And there will be a lot of people at this game expecting. I don't know if it'll be a bigger crowd than the Duke game in terms of students, but this is more of a, a towny type of game. Absolutely. The people of the Syracuse area showing out rather than, you know, Duke gets all the students out. I would expect this game gets a lot of, you know, the people from the, your your Jamesvilles, your Fayettevilles, your Camillises, uh, whatever suburb you want to say, your Liverpools, that get those people out and to the Dome on Saturday. Man, how, how can you not be excited? Just, And I know they're showing a rewatch of the national championship game on Friday night on the SU campus. That's going to be awesome. And just so many memories that I know you and I weren't around for, but – or, well, don't speak for me. I've watched the game full time through uh, you, between you, three and five times. Were you were you attentive in watching it in live I, time? Though? Not what I don't have a memory of it, but I I could give you very intricate details of the game. I'm sure you I'm sure you could no, but it 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 should be fun. It's gonna, Jerry McNamara is one of the most underrated players in college basketball history. One of the definition of a sharpshooter, great role player for Carmelo, Akeem Morick, all these other guys. And you can't say enough about how special an a moment and opportunity this is because this is a once in a blue moon type experience. Yeah, should be very, very special. I'll be there on Saturday to watch it. Um, can't wait to uh to experience that moment and I, I think a good take i saw a few months ago i know judiment's currently wears number three but a lot of syracuse's numbers are retired numbers are still get worn by players i believe there are a few you cannot wear i i don't know which ones i i doubt anyone wears 31 i doubt anyone wears 15 i don't think people wear 44 uh in terms of basketball numbers but I I don't remember who's had the take, but three should probably join that list. Absolutely. Of I agree being totally. permanently retired just because of Jerry McNamara's impact as a player, all-time three-point record, leading Syracuse to countless postseasons, six threes in the first half of the national championship game. His impact on this team and this program is vast and – um. He he is someone who embodies the Syracuse community. He has made it home for now, what, the last decade since he's been an assistant coach. So he is someone well-deserving of that honor. And I can't wait to – I cannot wait to see it Saturday. It's should be a ton of fun. We'll have full coverage of that on Saturday at Orange Fizz on Twitter. But for now, let's move on to topic number five, which is the game itself. Number five. Pre previewing the rest of the slate, Liam. Wake Forest on Saturday, the ACC tournament coming up next week. Syracuse once again likely in that 8-9 game. 
What do you see happening against Wake on Saturday and then as Syracuse moves into the ACC tournament where it might get Wake again? Well, before I move into my prediction, I just want to throw it out there that Wake Forest has a lot, a lot on the line this coming week. They have Boston College tonight. It's a game any ACC team should win, but the Eagles have somehow pulled three ranked wins out of their back pocket this season. Wake Forest is a team currently on the bubble, trying to fight its way into the NCAA tournament, and this was a team that would have made the NCAA tournament last season had Boston College not beaten it in the first round, second round, I should say, of the ACC tournament. And at this point, every game means extra for them. You know, Tyler Tyree Apple, Appleby is one heck of a guard, averaging just under 19 points per game and six assists. That, that's pretty good. So SU is going to have its hands full with the Demon Deacons team that really has everything on the line. Perfect chance for the Orange to play spoiler on Saturday. I have a, I was there last year when Syracuse lost on senior day to Miami, blew a very late lead in dramatic oh. fashion. That was really bad, and it felt like if they won that game, maybe things end up differently in terms of what this program looks like because Syracuse, you know, Jim Beheim sending off his sons, very emotional. On Saturday, Jim Beheim sending off Jesse Edwards, Simon Torrance, Joe Girard, all potentially have the option to come back for another season, but may, they, they might not. So this could be their final game of the Dome. And, and could it be Beheim's final game? Maybe it would seem like the perfect send-off if it wasn't with his sons. This would seem like you know the next best option, 20th yep. anniversary of his title, all his former players back retiring this jersey. It just feels like this would would be the moment for him to. I, I don't know if I don't know what he wants to do, but it feels like it could be building to this and perfect chance for the Orange to give him one last big home win, play spoiler to wake uh, another team that Beheim threw shade at with those comments to Pete Thamel right. a couple weeks ago. Um, so we'll see how that game goes. First meeting of the season between uh, the Orange and the Demon Deacons, but. I honestly don't see how they lose this game. I really, I mean, I do see it, but the emotions, I, I have a hard, this team plays so much better at home and Wake Forest is not as talented as Duke. When Syracuse has opportunities to win and has a big crowd, the Orange usually execute and we'll see what happens. But I, I have a hard time believing Syracuse loses this game. As for the ACC tournament, that I don't have much hope for. Syracuse usually plays much better in when the AC tournament is in Brooklyn rather than when it's in Greensboro this year, it's in Greensboro. So that I'm not as hopeful for, but Saturday is the game I'm really watching for. Yeah, absolutely. And when you talk about the ACC tournament, Syracuse over the past few seasons has dominated its first matchup, which looks like it's going to be either against North Carolina or Wake Forest, depending on how the rest of the week shakes out. But like you said, it's hard to, hard to really have hope for it because once you say you get past round one, if the season ended today, you get Pittsburgh, who flattened you a mere three days ago. So I don't, but like you said, Ethan, the Saturday's game is what is really on the back of my mind and really most Syracuse fans' minds right now with the NCAA tournament all but being a pipe dream. All right. I think that will do it for this week's edition of Fizz 5, unless Liam has anything more to add. If you would like to, speak now or forever hold your peace, LG. Play Claudia Copeland more down the stretch. All right. That is LG's message to Jim Beheim. My message is just get a damn win. Just do it, please. <laughs>
just find a way to win, hopefully, on Saturday. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Fizz 5 with Liam Griffin. I'm Ethan Frank. Check out all our content at theorangefizz.com. Follow us at Orange Fizz on Twitter for live coverage, our post-game Twitter spaces, tweets, articles, whatever you want to find. We'll have content of Syracuse Athletics. I know basketball-heavy episode today, but we'll be back with more Maybe women's basketball, if they make the NCAA tournament, maybe some lacrosse, football news. We didn't talk about Garrett Schrader's injury. That'll be written about, I'm sure. But it was basketball heavy today because that is what is on the minds of everything in Syracuse. All right, that'll do it for Fizz 5 with Liam Griffin. I'm Ethan Frank saying so long and enjoy the games this week. And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.